0: all right what's up everyone welcome to an episode of the nine by nine i'm dan technically the special guest but i guess this has been a few weeks in a row guys so you know i'll take care of the intro here joined by rob st Clair, expert volleyball commentator everett delorme owner host of volleyball source podcast and website and also a very good volleyball commentator anyway guys how's it going Hey, dude.
1: yeah we dropped a special guest for you this week it's just uh it's it's time you're you're part of the squad now welcome to the nine by nine you even, you even made it into the thumbnail
2: this week so uh yeah your name is out there you're you're yeah. you're a part of the show so
0: i'm honored guys thank you
2: we'll we'll work on the intro a little bit but uh good good job overall
0: <laughs> i'm not i'm not at the your level yet yeah, you I mean, forgot the, uh, the
1: fact that it's it's Tuesday, April nineteenth. This is episode twenty-three and this is the eighty one square meters of the best volleyball content on the internet. You gotta have the tagline. I right. think that's Rob's I think that's Rob's favorite part. I like that part. All right. Uh well
2: there's guys, so much stuff has happened in the world of volleyball this week. It was the most violent week of volleyball. I've ever experienced in my, like what, 15 plus years in the sport. Um, the middle of, of playoffs going on too. So before we jump into that, that uh, we do have a little bit of Canadian news to get to Uh, yesterday. It was announced the retirement of longtime Canadian middle blocker, Graham Viagrass from the Canadian national team, a two time Olympian, one of the cornerstones of the program, a former Calgary Dino, a former national champion, a former CIS player of the year, um, this man embodied what the program was, was at a time captain of team Canada as well. Um, And he will be missed. He was one of the core pillars to build Canadian volleyball. What it uh, is up to today, Uh, you know, right alongside Gord Perrin and, and and the rest of the guys. So a big, big thank you to Graham Viagrass and best of luck in your next endeavors. Now, Rob, I know you have said many times that Graham Is one of your favorite middles to watch, especially in uh, in the Canadian program? How how do you feel about this next team retirement?
1: Yeah, I'm a huge Graham Vygras fan. Uh, I always have been. I really like his play style a lot because he he has no weaknesses. He's good at everything. He's one of those middles that you could easily see playing another position just because of his all around volleyball skill. And I just I just always like watching him play. And yeah, that he anchored the middle position for Canada from there rise through like the, the 2010s decade to being like, like a consistent olympic caliber team so uh yeah i'm i've always liked watching Vigress play his overseas career has been rock solid he's had a lot of good stops along the way in europe and yeah i'm gonna miss him suiting up for canada i'm, I'm i was a little bit surprised by this uh tell me if you guys are are on are on board with me here because i think he's what 33 i thought he could have especially given that this is a world championship year and uh, there, there's an Olympics in only two years. He could have easily pushed the rest of this this like shortened quad. I was a little surprised of this timing. Maybe.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit surprised too. Um, it's just for the the reasons that you exactly uh, said earlier. It is does seem a little bit earlier, but like as we've talked about it um, for a while now in volleyball. It's difficult. You don't get an off season. You're going nonstop and he's starting to create a family of his own. And maybe it's just time to step away. I do almost wonder if this has to something to do with the new regime and the change of coach for team Canada, where, you know, Hey, it's a it's a it's a new coach coming in. As we mentioned, Graham was a was a, uh, a cornerstone of that program. I mean, the same thing can be said about Gord Perrin as well, too. And they're pretty much the same age. And him having s- stepped away from the national team earlier earlier in the fall, uh, it, it is a big move, and it's one that you know I thought we were going to have both those guys to rely on for one more quad or triennial, whatever you want to call it, with this shortened year up to Paris twenty twenty four. So, yeah, it, it, it is an interesting move. And, Rob, to touch on, you know, the skill aspect of, of Grand Va- Viagrass' game that you, you pulled up, his nickname in university was actually Big Smooth um, because <laughs> like he's, w- he's one of the best players um, that people have ever seen. And, I mean, if you're going back to some OG volleyball source times, one of the, our, our West Coast correspondents at the time, Pierre Rock, played with him, and he re- told me that, you know, hands down, Grand Vigrass was one of the best players that he ever played. Um, And it makes sense he's actually cousin of cousins with uh, Canadian beach volleyball Olympian Ben Saxton. So coming from strong Canadian volleyball lineage there. Um, But yeah, very interesting that he is choosing to retire from the national team at this point. Um, But it does, it does also kind of make sense that, you know, with the new regime, they're going to be going for a youth movement and it's, it's time to go with, with, with some of the young guys now, and it's time for the, let some of the old guys who have carried a lot of that load kind of, kind of take a break now.
1: Yeah, fair yeah. enough. You're right about the no offseason thing. I, I like that you brought up Beach because I've always thought that uh, Graham Vigress and Stephen Marshall would be a gnarly Beach duo if they were to go for it. But uh, to to just to wrap this thing up, what do you guys see now as the future of the Canadian middle blocker position? Because you've got Swartz, you've got Van Burkle, who are kind of established, and then past that, it's you're you're really in need of some new blood at that position. So what do you yeah. guys see in the pipeline right now?
0: I mean, I, I'm biased here, but I'm a pretty big Danny Demianenko uh, supporter. For ah. people who don't know, um, he was like absolute top tier A-plus prospect while he was playing at McMaster. Uh, or rather, correct me if, I, if I'm wrong here, but I think he did win MVP one year. Or at least he was he was among like the best players in that McMaster team with Stephen Maher. And everyone expected, especially coming from high school, I think he was like the top high school prospect of, in all of North America. Um, like that Toronto crush team. And we don't need to get into that too much here today, but they were, uh, they were, they were completely dominant in all of North America. I played and... against that team.
1: They completely, <laughs> completely destroyed us. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. They Not did surprising.
0: <laughs> um, but Danny is, his pro career has been fine. No, he's been good. He's been one of the top middles in France for the last few years, but you know hasn't made the, the step up. He played in the world cup a bit. He's played in a couple, he's donned the Canadian national team jersey a few times. You know, I think he's the next one up you know, Schwartz, Van Berkel. But ultimately, like, I don't think any of them can replace Vygrass. I think it's going to be a bit of a step down for Canada. I think Vygrass, out of any of the guys that we have overrated way too much on that Canadian national team that won bronze and world league in 2017, I think he's the most deserving that actually is a top (laughs) elite player at his position. Agreed. Um, So, uh, yeah, and I'm actually, I'm just kind of sad that he didn't get to play in Italy or I, I don't think he ever really got the recognition he deserved because I think he was like a top five middle for a couple of years there, 20, 2016, 17, 18, around there. So, But, you know, hardcore volleyball fans appreciate it. And yeah. I'm happy I, what he did for Team Canada.
1: i I'd take that argument. He was on, on the fringe of top five for, uh, for some of his career there just because he had no weaknesses. And I agree. I think he doesn't get quite the praise that he deserves. Uh, and so here we are on this show uh, shouting out, Graham Vigrass's national team career and wishing him a, a happy next chapter, whatever that is. So speaking I, of more Canadian news, you brought up McMaster, and this is very, very interesting. I, this came out of nowhere. I was surprised by this. A name, that, a, a name that I barely knew. A Dave Preston, the head coach of McMaster, named the head coach of the Australian men's national team. Yep. Boys, is this, is this as random to you as, as an uneducated American like myself thinks it is? no i i wouldn't think so you know I, i've thought about this a lot
2: in terms of how good we have it in north america in, in terms of our best coaches are coaching at the ages that they are because let's be honest if we had pro leagues you know guys like like john spara and alan knype ben josephson and of course dave preston would be coaching professionally. And I mean, Dave Josephson has a history of working with the national team going back to the 90s as an assistant coach with the men's national team, has been a head coach of the junior national team many times. He's been the head coach of a program that's finished top three in Canadian volleyball for well over a decade now. Just really one of the most dominant programs who have produced world-class players. I absolutely think that you know he's the type of guy to come in and build a, a, a nice program and to and build a good base for uh, a country like Australia. And I mean, I, I think Australia just kind of lacks um, maybe that fire sometimes. And they've worked with Lebedew for a long time. And I think after working with a coach for so long, you might turn a bit of a deaf ear to him. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Dave Preston uh, brings to that team. But in terms of international volleyball pedigree, I think Dave Preston has it. You know i've gotten to know him on a both you know on a professional level and a personal level and you know to me he's one of the great volleyball minds that we have in this country and undoubtedly a top 10 volleyball mind on this continent so if there's anyone i think who would be deserving for an international job i think it would be dave press and i know that there's people in the discord who even felt that you know he might be deserving for the team canada job well I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that we went the great direction with Ben Josephson. I definitely love to see the fact that Dave Preston is getting a shot at international volleyball.
0: Yeah, and I, and I think one of the things we have to keep in mind here is that you guys can disagree with me here if you want, but I think the level of coaching in North America overall is higher than the level of play from our players, if play? that makes sense. I definitely agree with that. I, I think they're, like like Everett mentioned, if we had a professional, like there are like a couple dozen coaches in North America, if not more, who could easily be coaching European teams. And, you know, if if it, if, it, if there wasn't that barrier to entry, and there, let's be clear, there's a much bigger barrier to entry for coaching than playing in terms of going overseas. Absolutely. Um, there would be, you know, ha- half the Polish and Italian league would be, I think, North American coaches if we were being completely fair here in terms of, Gameplay in terms of player development. So I agree that Dave a great choice for this. What I, so I'm kind of trying to understand where the Australian Federation is coming from because they have a big hole to dig themselves out of, right? Oh, Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, like they, they, they have very little talent coming through. They haven't had the last four or five classes coming out of Australia, you know, haven't been that great. You know, we have guys like Arash and Hemi Yamote. That's kind of the last couple of good players we've had in Australia. Um, so hopefully they're bringing him in long term, right? That's us build, you know, let's really build from the ground up here in Australia because I think they have good athletics. I think they have good athletes. I think there's potential there we've seen in Canada, Australia, basically the same country on different sides of the world. So I think there's potential there for Australia to get to the place where Canada is, um, but I think it's going to be a long term project. And I hope that there's not any expectation there for him in the next five to six years, because because I don't think there's anything anybody could do. Uh, with this current group of players to to get them to, you know, an Olympic top 10 worldwide kind of level. Well said. Yeah, he's going to
1: need to really rebuild that thing from the ground up, exactly like Dan was talking about. The volleyball culture and development system in Australia needs to be rebuilt from the lowest junior levels to start producing players that can take the national team into that top Twenty-ish range in the world, at least, and that at that point you start getting into some real tournaments, and you can start to do some damage at that point. But they are just not there right now. Well, I mean, I, I think I,
2: I think Australia is still in VNL for this season, um, are they not?
0: On on technicalities, for uh, like yeah, on technicalities, <laughs> but, but they're still
2: but they're still there, right? You know, it's going to be interesting too because it, by the looks of it, he's going to be heading to coach the team this season, and come fall, he's going to return to McMaster to uh, coach for the twenty two twenty three season next year. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to allow him to to do that double duty, and if he does, is it going to open up that portal for transfers coming in from Australia to? Uh, McMaster. We've seen a lot of Australian players come and play, especially at, at Brandon University, a few at Calgary as well. You know, we've we've seen some guys, great guys, come out of the Red Deer program as well. You know, there's there's quite a few of those Australian guys on their national team who have come through the Canadian university uh, system. But are we going to open that up a little bit more? I mean, hey, we had Wojtek Kraj who came out of the J W system in Poland, who's currently playing for uh, McMaster. So we know that they're open to bring in international athletes, and I think that would be. Kind of you know they don 't have like it 's very obvious they don 't have the development level uh, up to par in Australia J- Rob, just as you mentioned, so I could definitely see that opening up, and especially not only in uh, at McMaster but on other uh, ouA schools where the international transfers aren 't as as plentiful maybe as as out west
1: it 's a very, very good point, going to be interesting to follow this national team season but Gentlemen, it's not national team season yet. It's still club season, and Everett started at the jump of the show talking about violence. <laughs> it, it was a legitimately violent week in the volleyball world. I have never seen anything like it. I, I agree no. with Everett. It was it was it was insane. This is a non-contact sport that we play that we cover, and sure enough, there were not one but two like actual, actually violent situations in volleyball this week. The the most high-profile one, and we'll start with this, the one that's been getting all the headlines, is the suspension of Yoandi Leal after an incident in match number one of the Perugia versus Modena uh, Superliga semifinal. So to set the stage for this a little bit, Modena was, was kind of whooping up on Perugia. Uh, Modena was the better team in that match to that point. It was midway through the fourth set. Modena was up two to one. And there was this unbelievable rally that ended with Perugia basically getting a free ball where uh Ingepeth hit a ball off the tape that went right to Plutnitsky's platform. It, it was it was a free ball. Uh Gianelli gave it to Riklisky on the backside, and Joanne Leal made this unreal, like aggressive dive to the inside block move and and stuffed him straight down. And it, it was pretty much Perugia's momentum killer, and the match was basically over at that point. But uh Leal came down. Really stared him down across the net, and from what I was seeing, that was kind of the first, uh the, the first, certainly not literal, but but figurative blow of the, of the sequence that 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 blew up to actual blows towards the end of it. Layall, Le- there were, there was some words said. There was a significant stare down. Then a couple points later, uh, I think Layall ripped an ace, or he, he did something else, maybe a back row attack, and. There was some more staring down, some more words said. The the crowd started to get involved. It started to get a little testy. There was a timeout when Dragan Travica from Perugia's huddle looked over to the other side and was given some words uh, over to Leal, which we couldn't, couldn't decipher. We have no idea what he said. Then at the very end of the match, Modena won the match in four. This is the first match of the series. Then they they lined up at the three meter lines across from one another because they're not doing handshakes still with COVID. Then I think it was th- the fans said something. There was there was some spark. And then as as the mod as Modena's team went across to the other side of the net to greet their fans who were in the very 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 like tiny upper corner of the Perugia gym on the other side of the arena when they crossed over the net there. There were some more exchanges, and Yoandi Leal ended up going over to Dragan Travica and kicking him. Now, this wasn't like an overwhelmingly violent, like legitimately harmful kick, but he kicked a man like, after a professional sporting event in a non-contact sport. He, went, he found himself across on the other side of the net, and he kicked him. Leal was then suspended by the league for four matches. And this is where it gets really interesting because this is a best of five series. That guarantees him to be out for the rest of the series. So he appealed immediately. The, the appeal has still, as of this recording, as of Tuesday night, April 19th, the appeal still not resolved. We heard today that it was going to be resolved tomorrow. So Leal could not play in match number two which Perugia won pretty convincingly because without Leal, uh, Modena was hopeless. We've talked this year that Modena is the least deep of the elite Italian teams. Without one of their starting seven players, they are really not in a position to do well. So we still don't know, as of right now, if Leal's going to be able to play the rest of this series or not. But the, the, the broadcast the other day in match number two cut to him in the stands several times where he was just sitting up in the rafters in street clothes watching the match, watching his team get destroyed without him on the floor. Okay, boys, did I, did I get everything, first of all? And what are your reactions to Leal physically kicking somebody, his suspension, and the fact that the the appeal is still up in the air right now through two games with the series tied one to one. Well, I, I mean, I do think there's one big thing that that you're missing, and I think that's the accusation
2: from Layal and what we saw from angopath in in the the coming, um, you know, in 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 the next day and the in the t- days that followed. Because I mean, obviously, this type of reaction is extreme in volleyball where there's net se- separating us in physical contact isn't really gen- generally a thing apart from slight touches and usually that's just over with a hand tap um it, it was extreme he looked incensed. so obviously um there was not obviously but there, there ended up being a uh accusation of racism the next day and i mean we were talking about in the discord and some people were talking about like me you know it's hard to believe that it was racism because Engapeth was trying to calm Leal down and he was trying to, you know, get, get him to stop. And he would be on it, on it as well. But of course the next day we saw Engapeth come up with three now deleted Instagram posts accusing uh, Travika of racism and of, you know, I guess saying uh, a racist remark, maybe, maybe the N word, we're not quite sure. Um, he has since taken it down to me that is probably due to the appeal process you know they don't want to do to do anything to to sway anything and that he was told by modena people that you know he he needed to take it down because to me to warrant a reaction like that as insensitive he was like something had to be said like like something something extreme had to be said otherwise you know it doesn't warrant that that type of reaction um it was very interesting to me that I mean, and have we seen like we we saw a very very incensed letter from the Modena so, so, supporter group that Legovolli came to this decision of a four game suspension within twelve hours, right? Twelve hours, like how is a proper inquisition and, and inquiry into this uh, into this situation properly done in only twelve hours when eight of those hours were overnight and presumably people people were sleeping, right? I don't really think here that. You know, uh, leg of volleyball people are like staying up all night. Given what I know uh, about the leagues, you know, they definitely went to bed and then just made the decision in the morning. There's the whole other side of it too, of where you know, uh, at the end of the match, Perugia fans were throwing things onto the court, and this before the the uh, the whole scuffle, were throwing things onto the court, and Perugia was fined three hundred and eighty dollars, like. I mean, like, some speeding tickets are are, are more than that. It just seems like a very flippant thing. Like, oh, we're going to live lay four games. That's for the rest of the series. And then we're going to give $380 fine to Tapruzio. And we're not even really going to look into it at all. Um, Ever,
0: that's 380 euros. That's like... Seven hundred Canadian dollars. So.
2: Still, we're not even talking four that's, figures here. That, that's we're not, trivial. We're, we're not even talking four figures, right? Like once again, we wonder why people don't take volume seriously sometimes. Because we don't take ourselves seriously. OVA files are more than this. Like, goodness gracious. You know, like like uh, it, it it's just it's just a crazy situation that it to me it seems like the volley just wanted to sweep it underneath the rug as soon as possible and have no one talk about it. Um and it's going to be very interesting to see, because they were supposed to have that uh, that decision this morning, but it's going to be very interesting to see what they come up with tomorrow, because it is a heated situation. And I think even more, like you Le- you mentioned Leal sitting and watching that game. I mean, Gurbich subbed in Travica in, in the fourth set, and there's a lot of people online who think that that was kind of a, a poking and prodding move, and I don't necessarily disagree.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it was. The, I mean, that would be one of the best moments in the second game. And we'll get to that game in a sec. Um, I'll, I'll just give my quick, quick opinion here. Um, I mostly agree with Everett. I think it was way four games is pretty crazy, especially, you know, it's not like League of Volley operates in a vacuum. They, they can see other sports. They can see every, everything that goes on in the sports world. Four games for a little dinky kick like that is, like, way too much. In my opinion, like, that's what we have to keep in mind. He kicked him. Like if you want to do damage in a fight like this, you're throwing punches. Yeah, like, like that. Like a, a kick is obvious. I mean, like you can't. Uh, he deserved a game or two for sure. It was kind of like a. He. I don't think whatever happened, it didn't look like it was warranted for him to do any aggression. So I agree that he should have been suspended one or two games. But I, I'm reading right now that actually that League of Volley or FI or the Italian Federation is going to make a decision tomorrow, either one direction or the other. We will right. for sure know. So so we'll we'll have news in my opinion like if they literally if they make a decision like 10 minutes before the game uh, like Leal like and they say Leal can play he's he's suiting up we'll have him ready so i think i think we'll all find out pretty soon guys
1: yeah so a couple points on this i i mostly agree with you two guys this the, the way that the league has handled this has been really quite poor they they make a decision on a four match suspension and they know this is a best of 5 series like that's the rest of the series within 12 hours and then the appeal takes almost a week. That that timing definitely doesn't add up. Like if you can't get the appeal done by the second match, you make him sit out. You, then the I think I'm pretty sure the game, the next game is tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're going to have the appeal the results of the appeal the day of the match. Like you you, you can't practice at that point. And that's part of one, one of the things that the Modena fan group was was annoyed about. The other thing is that like Dan's right this doesn't operate in a vacuum even there's even a little bit of precedent for this because I think it was 2018 or 19 when Santiago Orduno was playing for Modena and Otanisievich uh, was on Perugia actually the same matchup the two of them had a little scuffle that the the most severe suspension I think was two games. And there were two sides at fault in that, and I think it was which, a little... which
0: is a severe like suspension, especially the it's yes, big, it's
1: enormous. But four, like four, completely changes the entire fabric of the series, especially with a team like Modena, who without one of their starters is dead. And so I, I understand the the Modena club and their fans and their complaints about this. However. Don't kick people. It's so stupid. Like, why, just why, why would you go across the net and choose to kick somebody else? That, that, whatever, whatever provoked you in that case. I mean, I think we can say that, but neither
2: of us are getting, you know, racially charged insults. Allegedly.
1: That's the other thing I wanted to bring up is that once you pull the racism card, everybody loses. You can't prove it. It's, it it immediately becomes, he said, she said, Travica immediately came out and denied say anything like that we can't confirm or deny that anything like that was said now everybody loses nobody knows what was said nobody ever will know what was said and it, like Perugia obviously came to Travis's defense they they believe their guy Modena believes their guy but what we can prove is that Leal went over and kicked somebody so whatever was said don't assault people. You, you know, all, you know how important you are to your team. You, you now have seen it firsthand sitting in the stands watching your team lose without you. I'm sure he, if he could, would go back and not kick his opponent. You just can't be doing that regardless of how the league has handled it, which I agree has been rather poor. Four games is too much and it's been taking too long to figure out the appeal. This should have never happened in the first place.
2: Yeah, I, I I can't necessarily I disagree with you, but at the same time, I'm like, man, because I don't know this is. This is the leg of this is leg of volume. And I mean, hey, we're seeing some some calls from the referees from both matches about how people aren't, haven't been happy with them. So it's 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 been an interesting situation altogether. Uh, I agree. Don't kick people. But at the same time, like <laughs> if, if things like it, it, it seems just like blown off the top. And as I said earlier, it just feels like they're just trying to bull just sweep everything under the rug and,
0: and there's no really good like video angles of the end of game no, scenario like if you go no. watch no. the broadcast it's it's but like, i i think it in any other in sport the they would game. have like 10, 10 videos of, of on people's phones of what happened but yeah. i mean kudos to the european the modena fans no one had their phones like everyone was everyone yeah. was actually into the game so respect for that but yeah Crazy. Yeah, but
2: I mean, there, there was that exchange, kind of. I think it was in in, in a timeout or in between sets between uh, Trafica and Leal. Yeah, it was in the middle. To,
1: it was in the middle of the fourth set. Yeah, might... where they both
2: had to be, where they both had to be brought back. So, right. I, I mean, and even at that point, it seemed like Leal was getting testy. So, my assumption is, if if anything was said, it was kind of then. Um, but then again, you know, once again, D- Danny, as you said, if it was other sports too, the amount of mics that would be placed in and around the mic, you know, like if that was ever said in the NBA. Uh, or even oh, the yeah. NHL, we like a hot mic, would have, a hot mic, a hot mic would have picked that up instantaneously, uh, in volleyball. That just doesn't happen because we don't have that level of broadcast. So once again, once again, it's just an overall L for,
1: for volleyball. Crazy. It, well, yeah. it, the, my, my, I don't think it's quite an overall L because now if, if this wasn't already must watch volleyball, it is now mm-hmm. because it now it's one-to-one we, I think it's, it's time to talk about the actual volleyball that was played <laughs> Uh, after let's all this because <laughs> there there are two three ones both teams won on the road and now it's a totally tied series the first match starting off with the stat sheet modena pretty convincingly destroyed them uh let's see seven aces to 18 errors pretty good uh significantly better attacking blocking uh, peru just serving terrible six aces 22 errors not good at all 12 percent perfect passes uh, for Perugia, these teams were just absolutely going after it from the service line. Irvin Ingepet had four aces, uh, I think, how many points? 20 points total. He was very good. Uh, blocked, though, three times, four errors. Uh, de Leal, pretty good, 14 for 30. Namir Abdelaziz, 19 for 35, pretty good. Modena was just better than Perugia that particular day. But then in the second match, without Yohan de Leal, everything completely changed. Martin Van Garderen got the start three for 14 two errors blocked six times like in the basement sort of negative efficiency Perugia had 18 blocks as a team in four sets in that second match four aces to 18 errors is better Modena had eight aces as a team and they still got pretty convincingly destroyed other than that second set that they won because of the serving without Yoandi Leal they were hopeless swan ingapeth had to come in and play meaningful minutes for modena and if that's happening you know that they're really in a tough spot because he is he is the, he is the thanks for participating tier of all european players he's the the a total participation trophy sort of guy so like if you're in the position where you're starting vanguarder in and bringing Irvin ingapeth's little brother off the bench in a semifinal series uh you're in very very big trouble so it really all comes down to me for is Leal gonna be able to play the rest of the series or not. If not, Modena's dead I mean I mean I do think that we saw some spirited moments from Modena. Like they're not dead completely and I yes, do they see are. them
2: being able I do yes, see them are. being able to to catch fire. I mean you still have no. Namir who can carry a team on his back in itself. You have Olympic Olympic MVP Angapeth, and I know the Klevno fanboy over there might uh, just disagree with that um but um you know like this team has the ability to go off like they were competitive in this game they won a set so it could be things difficult like make things difficult i mean hey let's 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 be honest too we've seen matt anderson turn off yeah he was exceptional in the second game was a banger out of the pipe as well too but still like I'm not 100% sure on this Perugia team. They've been up and down. They've suffered some bad losses this year. And I mean, hey, this is only Angapeth's second overall loss to Perugia. So I could see them could see them standing up.
0: Swan or Irvin? Irvin. Irvin. Come on now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So the funny thing is I was, like, I was watching the game. Like kind of with a couple people who don't watch volleyball, like buyers sell like on on, on Sat on Sunday, and we thought Swan like we thought it was the best story. If you guys had asked me before, I like looked at the stat sheet after the game, how many points Swan Angapet had, I'd have been like fifteen, sixteen. But you're right, like no, mm. ov- overall, like it wasn't the greatest game uh, for Swan. Than, but you know, but ben I think it was better than Martin. Oh, yeah, Martin sure. was absolutely doing nothing other. But you guys want to know the the stat of the game for me? What's yeah, the stat? This, this is a real juicy one. This is almost an unbelievable stat. Um, so both teams same same transition efficiency thirty eight percent, you know pretty normal actually on the better side of things thirty eight percent efficiency. In terms of first ball side out percentage, fifty three percent for uh, Perugia, twenty one percent for Modena twenty one percent first ball side out efficiency. Damn. Which, oh my by the way, you goodness. almost never see that lower than your transition efficiency. That's like insane. That's already lower, seventeen percent lower. First ball side out. That I, I couldn't believe that when I saw that. Man. Wow. That that
2: that that kind of comes down to two things. Like a like I don't I don't remember modernist servicing being that bad, but like. That first tempo offense that they have is really bad, and like, does that does all the blame fall on Bruno? Like, is Bruno just this like mythical character in volleyball that we can't touch and 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 uh, criticize? Because keep saying that, but we make fun of him all.
1: We we roast him all the time for some of Modena's shortcomings. Yeah, I guess you're not wrong. He's not immune to to our criticism. Fair enough, but yeah, that's that is that is a terrible stat. You're not wrong, Dan. Dan, that is unbelievable. Like th- that is that is so bad, especially when you still have two world class wings. The fact that all you're doing is missing a third world class wing, and you're at about twenty percent first ball side out percentage. That is god awful. Yeah,
0: crazy. Yeah, yeah and, and the the main culprit there is uh, Mister Mister Irvin, who's uh fourteen percent first ball side out Ugh. versus versus 30% transition. That, that's, that's, and they took a lot of that, those balls.
1: What is happening there? Oof, Crazy. Yeah. Wow. No, that's, that, that's remarkable. I, I
0: But yeah. I mean, okay, to give them a little credit, they vote in it and Irvin, especially as a team, they will right. recycle balls with no like shame at all. Like definitely there were, there were a few of those during that match where he didn't like the set. So he's, you know he's gonna try a tip, or he's gonna a good give point. it to the setter. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna like tip it off the middle blocker and, and give another try. But yeah, like, but they got so- they
1: got stuff blocked as a team eighteen times. Or Ingepeth, yeah. four. Namir, six. Stuff blocked six times. That might be the best opposite in the world. Six times. Van Garder in total liability. Like, I'm not surprised that he got blocks, blocked
2: six <laughs> Eight times. Eight errors <laughs> to two points. So, so bad. bad. So
1: bad. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I
2: do, I do think that, like, part of Modena's gameplay here is trying to initiate rallies and to try to begin rallies. And as you said, like, they're very happy to kind of recycle that off the block. And on the flip side for Namir, you know, he's the type of player that needs that high-looping set on the right side oh. and you're going to get clamped like especially in those transition scenarios where you know it's going to him like on a c ball on that right side ball it needs to be high and namir not have might not have a lot a lot of space to look at but yeah pure domination by perugia and ultimately rob i i do kind of agree with you as i'd love to see and i think that maybe they can steal the game maybe two without no. layout but i don't know no. if, they, if they can win all five um but Talking to uh, talking about a series that probably won't go five. Uh, <laughs> if we slip over to the other uh, um, one now, I don't even think we need to break this one down game by game because I don't think so either. They kind of happened in the same way, and it's just been utter utter domination by Tarantino. Now I'm sitting here with my foot in the mouth and with my foot in my mouth because uh, a few weeks ago. You know, heading into Champions League, I was thinking, you know what? They burned their tank out. They just lost to Piacenza. They just burned their tank out to beat Perugia in one match. Perugia is going to win them, beat them, and then man, they turned things around against Piacenza after getting after losing to them. They beat Perugia, and now they've slapped slapped Lube slapped. two two in a row, 3-0, 3-0. They haven't dropped a set in this series to Lube. There was really only in that the the second match on uh, Monday. There was really only one time that I thought that maybe Lube was in the game, and that's when DeCheco tied things up at 22s in the third set with a random ace. But then Trentino just answered right back going up 24-22 and then taking it 25-23. 20, and this Trentino team looks awesome now. I don't even do. think – like, Lube, Lube played pretty bad, and especially on the errors side of things – Um But Trentino is just looking so good right now. And, I mean, Nicoletto didn't even have a great game. He only got six kills uh, uh, yesterday. And still Lavia and Kaczynski are able to run the show.
1: Errors is the thing that really jumps out for me for Lube. One, Juan Torreña is just a skeleton, a walking, injured, broken, old skeleton that just cannot get right in play. This time, apparently, it's, a, it's his shoulder. I guess it's been his back, his knees for most of the season. Like, he's just geriatric out there, unable to play. And the drop-off, the resulting drop-off of both Lucarelli and Marlon Yant without Juan Torrena available has been disastrous. Yant was horrible, uh, 14% passing efficiency, Lucarelli, two for 11 with two errors. Terrible. So bad. And as a team, Lube, this is the second match, only 18 service errors. It's only four aces, plus eight balls just hit out of bounds. They also got blocked eight times, but a total of 24 unforced errors. 26, excuse me, 26 unforced errors in three sets. That's insane. You will yeah. never, yeah. ever win a match like that against a team like Trentino, who is continuing to play clean, smart, disciplined, well-researched, like, match-up advantageous volleyball. You cannot spray the ball out of bounds 26 times in a three-set match and have anywhere close to a chance.
0: No. And mm. I, I think this was a, such a wasted opportunity for Lubito because I don't know about totally. you guys – but I, I think this is maybe Trentino's worst game that they've played in a little while. Especially like you mentioned, Everett from uh, Micheletto hitting six for sixteen. Like he looked, he looked a little tired and, and weak out there. And I'm gonna throw some uh throw throw some more uh side out versus transition stats at you because both go. teams were were exactly 51 in uh in, in side out first ball side out. Lube also surprisingly, given all their errors. So you can guess where this is going. <laughs> Very efficient in uh very efficient side out. They hit negative in transition this match. Oh, <laughs> negative ne- negative 0.3 percent. Uh, like you said, Rob, just spraying balls out of bounds. We saw 26 sets go to the 25 go to Yant, and tons of those were just not. I mean, Trentino very disciplined, probably like arguably the best blocking team, or at least non-Russian blocking team in volleyball right now, and they they like. Yeah, but negative in transition for Lube, especially for me. Like Cheko, he's for, he's a good transition setter. Like he's he's a guy who can you can place it well from diving on his knees from position six or or, or, or position one. Um, so Everett, what do you, like what do you think was the main issue for for Lube in uh, in transition here?
2: I don't know, but it just seems like Lucarelli is no longer really a threat. Um, I do partly think that trentino as you said they're so well read and they're so well researched and they pre- prepare so well and they're always a step ahead of the play they always seem to know what's be what's coming next and with as bad as is playing zaitsev isn't playing well lucarelli was terrible in this one they're just not you know, opening anything up for transition chances and it's funny like they're not running Simona as, as much as they can they just they just don't look as as good right now but partly i think it is just part it's partly the pressure that trentino's putting on like right from the baseline they're 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 putting on their block has been absolutely superb their first ball side out is is really strong too and they just have options everywhere you know i think the guys down the middle with Fredraskin and the we've talked about it so many times they just really open things up and provide such a big uh window of opportunity and Spertoli is just doing such a good job at you know spreading that butter evenly and making sure it gets everywhere around the bagel because you know everyone's eating eating right now at Trentino and it's looking good. Um, I haven't
1: even talked about Robert Landy Simone I mean he was what nine for 14 uh one block no aces like he's getting involved in the offense he was third in attempts but for some reason, Lube just can't put themselves in but a position for him to really have the impact on the Rob, game. His blocking yeah. Rob is taking a step back. It's, he's a, he's a step slower. It's, it's he's a step definitely, slower. And it's really affecting them. And Spertoli knows it. I, I think the, the Trentina transition offense is doing a great job of picking on both Lube Middles. I don't think they're, they're really in a position to slow anybody down the way that maybe he used to be.
2: Now, my, my question, guys, is tomorrow, uh, both of these semifinals uh, pick it up, Obviously, we're not going to have a layout in Game Three, Four more than ever. Well, maybe Georgia. it's
1: not. A maybe, maybe they come out tomorrow morning and they say, "Yeah, he's good to go." Suspension over It's not
2: impossible. Okay, you're 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 not wrong. I do think that make, maybe they'd bring it down. I think they would keep it at two games. I I think two games is acceptable for 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 what he did there. Um, but do you think that we're going to see Trentino complete the sweep heading to uh, Lube on the road? Um in this one because i unless Juan to sometimes somehow gets that shoulder better and i mean he wasn't even taking warm up swings right like he's not even out there peppering like I, I don't know how much lube can do much in doing this especially with the way trentino's
1: rolling right now it's over that series is over that 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 series yeah. is over it's on thursday that will just be uh a formality uh Trentino's going to the finals and then all the all the spotlight will be on Perugia Modena that's tomorrow and then the 24th which I think is a Sunday
0: I I think you know I think they could win one more I think they could be a 3-1 but I think they'll lose but I think I think Lube has lost a lot of momentum I think they know they're all leaving to different teams next year as we've discussed before uh Everett on the podcast I think the champions league loss took a lot of sales i think the wantzara injury took a lot out of their sales and the fact that he's leaving i think it's just just feels like bad vibes bad locker room everyone's tired they they've ran this team a lot of them you know for 3 years and then some of them for, for way even before that um, you know I, I just think the momentum's not there and that's a, that's a huge factor at uh, this stage in, in the playoffs so yeah i would have to agree
1: and they don't have their spiritual leader Juan Terrena he is the only possible chance they have of even extending this series and it just doesn't seem like he is a- going in any any part of the near future going to be able to play and contribute it hasn't happened at all this year in huge matches he has not been available he has it wasn't available again the other day i think Lube's done
0: but but Everett, are we not blaming Lucarelli enough here? This is a how guy do, in his prime that I have put on you know top ten list uh, outside hitters before. That is, a, is supposed to be a huge part of of Brazil. Like he's supposed to be a top player. And I you know okay let's I don't know what he's hitting, but two for eleven last game. His last four games, uh, Lucarelli is hitting you know okay thirty five percent efficiency. So part, decent for that Mazda series, but like. For between Champions League and this like I don't know uh, I think I think Luca rally needs to step it up in a big way and I think he's flying under the radar
2: here. I think a huge amount of the blame like lies on on Lucarelli. He hit 18%. That's not even efficiency. 18% in the last game. And that's part of the reason why they're getting demolished so much. Like they have to give so much like like Ivan zaitsev has been injured for how long and they have to give him 25 26 sets in, in this one. Just Yant, not the, a good the, the youngster is getting 26 sets. Like Lucarelli has to be injured. There, he has to be injured right now. That's why he's only getting eleven attempts. Right? Otherwise, Dechko must has to feed him. Right now, he's looking like Lucarelli from the beginning of last year. And I mean, right. we we know we know what was going on. He had just lost his father. He was playing in Europe for the first time. There was all of this stuff when he when he was at Trentino. Obviously, fi- figured things out. Had a great second half of the season season for them. But just to in my eyes, he has to be injured right now because he's not lethal. Right? There's been so many times in in transition where they Modena sees the or sorry um, um, Trentino sees the ball going to Lucarelli and they just don't seem phased at all and he's not he's not a weapon out there so to me he has to be injured because there's no way that they can go any any deeper in into the bench and he's still he's still like. Like if you look at his passing numbers, like fifty three percent a positive and forty one percent perfect. Like he is passing lights out and taking more attempts than anyone. So to me, there has to be a shoulder injury or something there that's preventing him to be for, from being uh, an option in the offense. Because there's no way that a guy like Luca Redley should only be having eleven attempts in game two of the Super Lega semifinals.
1: I think Lube's done. And I think we've already talked about this series for long enough. So, uh, Perugia uh-huh. Modena is tomorrow. And that will definitely be shrouded by whatever news comes out about layoff suspension. Uh, Lube Trentino game three is on Thursday. Then Modena Perugia game four is on Sunday. And uh, by this time next week, it is possible that we will know who our finalists are unless uh, Modena Perugia goes to match five. Um, staying in Italy really quick. I want to talk about the women's playoffs because uh, Novara, although they they lost that weird one to Cuneo last week, responded, beat them pretty easily 3-0. Now the semis are set. These semifinals are only best of threes on the women's that side. That sucks. It does suck. It is I, a shame. That, that a shame. sucks. Right, especially especially
2: for these semifinals. Like these are gonna be yeah. bangers of a Great, semifinals. Great semifinals. Canig- Canigliano versus Scandici, Novaro versus Monza. I can't wait to watch that one. Rob aren't you aren't you commentating that one on, on I
1: have the whole series, uh, Thursday and Sunday, at least the first two matches Novaro versus Monza, myself and Claire Hanna, the duo, the two of us. <laughs>
0: Woo, uh, now, I, I love the two person the call. Uh, yeah. I think Modena Perugia was Dave Rogers and Mark Lebedew, and I was like, Oh my god, I'm blasting this yeah. this is fantastic yeah well some incredible. of them are better one than of others the,
1: the trentino lube the, the duo who did that the other day was was a train wreck and was was i i or would rather meet yeah but at, dave uh,
0: rogers and mark rob that's uh, that's a
1: great one that's yeah, a, great, that's a one. great one That's a great but one. And, uh, and me and claire i, I hope to yeah add that's to also that. going to be a great one i thought i'm excited for it uh, claire's awesome i'm uh, yeah, excited to work with her on that series. So we'll be covering the whole thing: Novara versus Monza. And I'm honestly, I, I'm kind of excited to get that series because I think it's going to be the better of the two. Hundred percent.
2: But they're 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 both going to be bangers overall. I mean, so- hey, Scandici can still go out there and and fight with Canigliano Um, I mean we're going to be see we're going to have to see how how good they look they're probably going to be giving the start to the youngster antropova so i mean hey just more young names who are starting to dominate the the world of volleyball but man that novara monza series is going to be interesting a lot of american firepower in that one with haley True. washington and um and um jordan larson, uh, jordan, jordan larson there we go yeah there's there's look, there's you a...
0: guys give novara a little more credit cuz I was on the show last week and how how did that how did that third match go, Rob?
1: I commentated it and <laughs> I know.
0: it, uh, it was <laughs> that was, it was like one of the least
1: it was a sweet, wasn't very the, close the, at all. This the, the second set was a beat down, that but the sweet. other two were twenty-five twenty-three and Novara tried their hardest to choke away the first set. They were receiving on twenty four twenty-three, 23 overpassed a ball, and Cuneo's outside hitter hit it out of bounds, and that's how they won the set. Like it wasn't as convincing perhaps I, that that okay. which, which okay. is what makes this Fair series much. this Novara Monza series really interesting to me is because we've seen championship level flashes from both of them, and i 'm talking flashes like like over in a heartbeat, but we have <laughs> seen it we've seen both of them take down caneliano head to head, but we 've seen both of them also crumble horribly in big moments in big series, so what where in the roller coaster? of both Monza and Novara, are they going to run into one another? I think it's a total toss-up right now.
2: I'm hoping yeah. it's both up here. I I'm, hope so, too. Like, like, if they can both execute on the highest of levels, that is going to be a banger of a series. And I mean, like possibly one of the best series we've seen, You'll
1: we'll see this year in, yeah. in women's volleyball the middle matchup is awesome uh the opposite matchup character versus stisiak really good uh two really good setters i think oro is a better pure setter but uh, micah hancock can do a lot more in the other areas of the game it's going to be really right. really Rob, fun that's to watch. a good
0: question though that's almost like like this two setter archetypes going at each other because as we discussed last week micah hancock like the you know not the best setter, but does everything else at it, a plus level. Whereas Alessia Oro, in my opinion, is just like the hands Literally are setter. A setter.
1: Yeah, I yeah, agree. Pure I setter, setter,
0: pure setter. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's T- interesting. What what setter do you guys think is more valuable, Everett? What kind of setter? Ooh, I mean,
2: it really depends because we, I've seen different sides of Oro this year. I mean, we, when we've seen when we've seen Monza have success, she's been the fun, creative type. She uses retkey a lot. They run her on the Both slide. Middle. They run her on the yeah. 31. They run her on the back quick. They run her on the front quick. They spread her out. And they do the same thing with the other middle whose name is escaping uh, me right Denissi. now. Denesi, she's Denissi, really, yes, really perfect. good. Yeah. And she's, she's awesome as well, too. You know, she's part of the uh, Italian uh, Italian system as well. But then when we've seen them be bad, and we've seen them be bad, especially against um, Conigliano in Champions League, they just end up with a highball offense so to me it really comes down to are they going to be able to pass well enough to allow oro to run the type of offense that she does and i think that if they can establish Retke early and continue to run her in a game we've seen sometimes where they establish her a lot in the first like 10 points of the game and then don't go to her at all where she's scoring like 80 percent of her points in the first 10 points and then nothing else for the rest of the game like to me in that situation oro's better but i think to me like like Hancock might be a better emotional leader and might have a better rapport with her, with her athletes athletes. So it's really a toss up for me with these two.
1: Dan, what do you think? Which, which setter would you have in this series?
0: I'm taking Oro for sure. Uh, I think
1: I'm kind of with you.
0: I think, I think on, you know, on, on a good team where like you have a good block, you have a good serves, you have all the other elements. You don't, you know, you don't, it's it's nice to have a, a setter that can that can you know serve four aces in a match, but I think I think you want a setter who's like the the orchestrator, you know, who's who's gonna feed guys at the right time. And I think Mark Lebedew was talking about this in regards to Bruno on Sunday. But you know, it's just someone who has that innate feel for the match and also her precision in terms of where she places the ball, especially when it comes to middle sets, is, is like pretty pretty unmatched, I would say, in, in women's volleyball, uh, at least in the Italian league. So yeah, I would I would go with Oro and yeah, I think, uh, I think I would go with Thoro. What about you, Rob?
1: I think I would, too, uh, and I think Everett's exactly right. The thing that's going to define the series is how Monza chooses to strategize their, their offense. Do they open it up to be creative and quick and middle-oriented from the get-go, and do they sustain that? Because exactly like Everett said, that's been their issue. When they go away from that too quickly – uh, they become way too predictable, and other teams can eat them alive. We've seen some really bad offensive performances from Monza when they don't play that that more free-flowing offensive style of game. I think that's that's the key thing for me, and I don't know. I, I really don't know how to pick this series. The other one, I'm gonna pick Caneliano 2-0. Uh, I think they're they're on a mission. I don't think yeah. I don't think Scandichi can touch them. To be honest, I just don't think they're they're talented enough, top to bottom, especially in the middle. Uh, but Novara Monza, man, I really don't know. Uh, I'll pick it to go to three, just because it'll be fun, and I'll take I'll take Monza. I'll take Monza two to one. Okay, interesting. Should be fun. All so right. What are, what are your picks, boys? Before we move away from this,
0: two nothing we... Monza.
1: Ooh. Uh, Novara, 2-1. Okay. Dan coming and saying, you guys are way too hard on Novara. Picks yeah, seriously, <laughs> eh? Dan, Dan's just trying to, trying on, to stir, stir the pot over there. I respect that. Uh, all right. Speaking of uh, st- staying on the women's side anyway, this match that happened just the other day, what day was this? Sunday, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, so Sunday, the 17th, just the other day. Uh, Vakifbank wins the Turkish Cup. They beat Fenerbahce in 5-17-15 in the 5th. This was extremely spicy, and uh, the second of the four main championships that Vakifbank is going after this year. They got Club World Championships done. They got the Turkish Cup done. Now they've got uh, Turkish regular season, or Turkish playoffs, rather, which they're in the semifinals, and then they've got Champions League. So they're two for four, with the other two still on the table. This, When we were looking at the stat sheet, guys, 17-15 in the fifth, like so, so, so close. When you look at the numbers, Vakuf Bank kind of dominated every statistical category. They were better from the service line, seven aces of 17 errors versus three to 15 for Fenerbahce. They passed the ball significantly better. Their offensive numbers were significantly better. Uh, 48% kills. Well, kill percentage was close, but Fenerbahce made a lot more errors. Vakuf Bank blocked more balls. It looked more balanced on the score, or it looked less balanced on the score sheet in Vakif Bank's favor than the score line was. And uh, other than Isabel Hawk, who was very, very good, let's uh, 68 attempts, which is just insane 38 for 68 points. That's that's not <laughs> 44 40 points total. That's, that's outstanding. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And then Gabi, even more efficient at 21 for 35, like 60% kills. I for, do. Who, got to be my pick for the best outside hitter in the world on the women's side. And like Fenerbahce offensively, other than Melissa Vargas, 27 for 49, like they didn't have anyone close to those offensive numbers. Like Fedorab Seva wasn't all that good. 15 for 42 with 10 errors and no aces. Like I do, I do do think that part of it is because Valka
2: dominated the the third set 25, 13. Right. Whereas like when Fenerbahce was able to, to pull it out, it was 29, 27, 20. Twenty-five, twenty-one. so that margin is, is especially in in that third set there um but it sounds like you know i didn't get to watch the game but plenty of people on the discord too it sounds like it was just a classic game from melissa vargas who you know is now technically a polish or uh, a turkish citizen turkish. and could play for the the, the uh, national team so it just clogs things up on the right side especially with uh that uh that Romanian girl coming in too, so yeah, Caritasu, um, and then yeah, karatasu, it's, it's exactly ridiculous. So, I mean, hey, g- gonna be a very, very interesting result in this one. It sounds like Fenerbahce was just going off, uh, at certain points. And I think we've seen this before, um, with Vacuff Bank, where they they play the game, but they don't, they like, the, like, this is exactly kind of reminds me of losing to Rosovia where they had a good game but they lost key points and made errors at key points that ended up giving it, giving it to the other game. But luckily for them, they were able to, to hold it together and take it 17-15. Uh, seven, so congratulations, Valkov Bank. They're going for the not only the treble, but the quadruple. The quadruple. That's a pretty,
1: I think that's a pretty good assessment. Dan, do you think that Valkov Bank can win the two remaining championships they have this year?
0: Yes, I, I strongly think they can because... I know like again I-, I was there when they lost with Guadetti and with the whole team when they lost the super finals last year and I I, I was lucky like I've probably talked to Guadetti more than I have most coaches and like he always has like the long term in play and like he literally like seconds after that final he was planning what is happening right now with Vacaft Bank like he he well he never got rattled and you know you know me I don't give that much credit to coaches but i think like just in terms of the long term planning and the long term strategy for for Vacav Bank like Guadetti like always had this in mind and i think this they, they know they can, they're this good they know they can win it i think i mean I think they think they should have beat Caneliano last year. And I think they think they can do it this year. And I think, you know, given the way, especially given Gabby, I think it's a lot better, like you guys oh. said, this year than last year. Like she's, especially on the offensive end, she's 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 putting it together a lot better. Uh, you know, I I think this Bank team is, you know, incredible. And I, I'm very excited to watch them. Uh, going forward in, in Turkey and in Champions League.
1: Yeah, they're, they're definitely my pick to win the Turkish League. Fenerbahce has come close several times, including like beating them straight up in in Champions League before losing the golden set. But uh, I, it's kind of like the Novara versus Caneliano thing from the last couple years where I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that anybody in Turkey believes that Vakif Bank can be beaten. And uh, for that reason, I definitely picked them to, to win the Turkish League. But I still have Caneliano in Champions League. So uh, we'll, we'll do a big preview on that when that comes closer. Uh, elsewhere around Europe, really quickly before we wrap up the show, very interesting result in the Bundesliga, the first match of the best of five match series in the finals on the men's side. The Berlin Recycling Volleys were reverse swept by Friedrichshafen. And uh, Jeff Gendrick, one of really the only two middles on their roster, they have like a desperation third, like backup German guy, if in emergencies, came down in a pretty badly sprained ankle. Boys, is Berlin actually in serious trouble here?
2: I mean, this looks really bad on me because here, Friedrichshafen is winning game one of the series, like a day or the same day uh, in Salmon or... Sorry, Dan and I did our last podcast, and I said that Friedrichshafen was one of my disappoint- most disappointing teams in all of <laughs> pro volleyball this season. And here That's they much. are winning. They here they are winning game one. Um, it game. <laughs> seemed to me that Berlin was making bad errors at bad times. Um, but yeah, I do think that losing Gendrick is a huge missing piece to their offense. Um, as you mentioned, their backup is George Klein, who's a former Berlin player. Uh, who's also currently a member of the the police force in Berlin. Um so doing double duty and playing Bundesliga (laughs) on the weekends, that's a little I didn't know that.
1: That's awesome. That's
2: really overlap there. Maybe maybe uh I mean he is a former Berlin player and I mean he did play on some pretty good teams about four or five years ago. Uh but still. And maybe that's the reason that Lucas Van Berkel was a monster in the middle with seven blocks. So you know, he's gonna be taking a bigger, much bigger role now in the Canadian national team, so it's looking like he's going doing some good things for Friedrich Schaffin. But I also think that this is like this is classic Lebedou, you know? And we've saw Friedrich Schaffin, and part of the reason why I said that they were one of my most disappointing teams this year is how much they struggled, especially early on. They lost games to bad teams. They were very average, if that in Champions League, and were never really a threat to do anything whereas in years past we've seen them do um do like like you know, good things and 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 have good runs, but I think this is really lebedu being a monster at game planning and being you know really really good. Because I mean, at the same time, like we saw Katchik or, or I I don't know if I pronounced his name right properly, but the right side for um for Friedrich and go down with an, ing- an ankle injury as well, and they were to able to shift shift some things around and his replacement ended up you know outscoring him so. Wait. Really, to me, this just shows the masterclass that is Mark Lebedew, who's able to commentate games on or win games on Saturday and commentate games on Sunday, and he's still one of the best we have.
0: Sorry, small correction. Vojan Kacic, Kacic, um, Kacic. Le- legend of Montenegro, outside hitter. Uh, but I, I I, only know him because he's super, super nice guy, and I, I spent two, two Euro volleys in a row uh, with him, he was the captain both times. But uh, uh, I agree with you, Everett. Like, yeah, I mean, Mark Lebedou teams, they always overperform, right? But every single time. And Friedrich and, like, like I said earlier, like, you know, the, this roster isn't as talented even as as some of the other Friedrich rosters, which I don't think were like as talented. You know, they were probably in the bottom of a Champions League almost every year. Every year they played in it, but they still did pretty well. Um, but like every every what 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 specifically do you think in terms of game planning that that he did this match? that paid off for them Oof.
2: i mean that's that'd be tough to say i didn't watch the match uh, as intently I, I skimmed through it uh, a little bit um i as i said like i do think that berlin was making tough errors at at bad times you know right. and i think a lot of their their errors came at bad times like we saw Granken Get like two or three errors for touching the net as he was setting. Like just very random errors that were like late into the sets. So I do think that partially that, you know, it was it was somewhat of an opportunistic moment for uh Friedrich Schaffen in this. And, one. and
0: I think seven blocks. That doesn't happen in a vacuum, and seven for Lucas and, no, and four 100%. for Bohm. And, yeah. and that's one of the things that coaches can affect is Rob, you probably you know as a, a former middle, like where to set your block exactly, how you know, like where 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 you where you where you are going up, how your timing, that kind of thing. That that is something that coaching can improve.
1: Absolutely, we saw it. Uh, I saw it firsthand when Berlin was playing Trentino in the quarterfinals of Champions League. Berlin, like you could hear them in the timeouts because they coach in English. They're so they're so international. They were telling their middle blockers, "Don't bother blocking the right side of Trentino." Like, don't bother. It, it was Julio Pinali back there. Leave him one-on-one. Focus on Lisa Notch and Focus on Micheleto and Kaziski, And focus on the BIC. Lean to your right. Like, front the 31. Don't do don't bother, like, making that move to your left. Unless it's out of system. Like, they were legitimately telling their middles to ignore one of the opposing wings. Like, that is totally a thing that happens based on opposing matchups. So, yeah, I could see it. And when, when an opposing middle blocker goes down, like, if if Jendrik... It, Jendrick's not able to come back in this series. They're in very serious trouble. I though think that Berlin's going to be just fine. They have way, way, way more talent, way more talent than Friedrichshafen does. I think that's going to be good enough.
2: I guess we'll see. It's definitely it's definitely one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. I do believe that game two of that match goes down tomorrow. Okay. Check that out, Spontent on Twitch. They, as we've said it many times on the show, hands great, down have great, the best broadcast. best broadcast and best product in volleyball. Awesome. With, without a doubt. Uh,
1: so, speaking of playoffs, there's some more fun stuff. Some of the things that have gone on the last couple of days, including a match today, was in the Plus League. Uh, we spent a good amount of time talking about the Plus League on last week's show, which I really liked because it deserves uh, a lot more coverage than it gets, just a little bit harder to consume for us in North America. But I watched that match today between Scraw and Olston. I think you guys did too. Yeah. Scraw
0: mm-hmm.
1: ended up pulling it out in five. Olston had opportunities uh, to win that match and really shake up the entire dynamic of the league. I think they were up 10-7 in the fifth, but they... the and moment- 12-11 too, I think. And 12-11. I think the moment was just a little bit too big for them. They made some head-scratching decisions late. Otanisievich uh, came in the clutch a couple plays in transition, and uh, scraw very much still alive to get that third spot in champions league if not perhaps beat jw and go to the finals that's not impossible because jw says to play good dance tomorrow to advance
2: and i mean hey let's be honest things are kind of unraveling at jw too with the firing of gardini and their assistant coach yes, over. I'm so d- right d- so like that's, that's like the whole d- other situation d- that dan that dan and i actually covered on our, our podcast on saturday you can check that out uh now i believe um but you know like that's like like let's not like pretend in a vacuum here that jw is 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 rolling in and doing well they still have to play that other game uh in in or sorry at home but still against a good so it's a bit of a toss-up but i think scraw was was lucky to get away with this one i i do think that olston was was kind of looking good maybe you're right rob i didn't watch the the fifth set unfortunately but i th- maybe you're right and the, the moment got too big for them but
1: it felt th- that way to me for sure they they they
2: did get lucky which is the can't we can't say the same thing for Rosovia, who ended up losing 2-0 to Zawrichi and i mean that's a good, that's a pretty good team and you saw Kokonovsky go go there this year and it didn't really pan out um we we're seeing some guys like like maybe T- or not like TJ DeFalco is going to be heading there next year so they're loading up to have a big team next season and they won't be in any European conversations or,
1: yeah, at maybe, all. Maybe so. maybe Challenge Cup if they win the place of matches and get fifth, but nobody the, the,
0: cares the, about the Do they not? No, it's no. Champions no. League. They, they, they
1: are kind Holland. of Champions League or Bust League. And, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still think the drama is who gets the third Champions League spot. So, like, three of the final four is set. You've got Zoxa, who, like, slept walked past said No problem uh scraw is in xavier che is in and then i still think jw is going to survive good dance but i don't think it's a foregone yeah, it's, conclusion that JW. this is, is going a novara Caneo
0: situation come on no, i i, I, I think jw
1: is going to win I, I just said that but i don't necessarily think they're going to get past scraw i think scraw may have them head to head at a decent number of positions they've definitely got him in the middle they've definitely got him at opposite they've they certainly don't have him at setter or libero, but uh, outside hitter kind of a toss up. Like that series could be toss kind of toss up
0: for outside hitter for JW. With really because uh,
1: Fornal is is better than uh, than Abadapur or Koi or Tot or whoever plays, but I yes, I agree. Clevin yeah, has no. been extremely streaky and it, I, I think he's still back in France. I don't think he's. I don't think he's healthy enough to play right now. I don't mean, even he was, even he was even Shamura Shimura, even Shimura, I would is good. Probably but I take about top. I would take Abadapur over Shimura.
0: Okay. Mm,
2: yeah, but like not above Cleveno, and like Biniac, I I agree with I agree with, Biniac with Biniac like I give is, I give the outside I give the outside advantage to J W here completely. And I mean
1: Beaniec is the best player on either team if that series happens. I don't know. I a is, still out, there, a is still out there, Rob. Hadrava is still out. there. Get, get real,
0: <laughs> Materius Benek
1: is a legitimate MVP <laughs> candidate for league, guys. You're name. not wrong.
0: Legitimate. Would you Would you guys go Koi for the size against JW? I would. It? Or would you go tot? Because tot was for me the game changer I'd go with today. tot. I'd go tot I'd go he tot was unreal because, today
2: because mostly because like yeah, you want to talk about Koi's size, like you don't need a big blocker against Hadrava. Maybe Actually, it's, it's probably
1: better to have a smaller
2: one to be honest. Guess you got two blocks today, because, Robert. Todd. Yeah, exactly. But it's probably better to have a smaller blocker because, like, if it's if you're going with Boye on the right side for JW, then yes, you want to different get, game. Go, yeah. yeah, you want to because then he's playing with that height and he's he's playing high ball to the right side. Whereas if you're going with with Hadrava, he's the shifty lefty. He's only going to be hitting that foot above, like foot foot and a half above the net. He's not playing at the top of the antenna like Boye is and like Koi does. So if if Hadrava is, is going against Koi, that's best case scenario for the Czech lefty cuz he's just going to go in and carve everything off his elbows all day i would go with robert Todd. i agree no with he's Dan.
1: not he's just going to hit negative 500 get blocked 15 uh, times what are you Hadrava's it, a, a straight
0: line drive i agree with that but also boye kind of has the he, he kind has the bend patch like um style Very the or Namir where you kind of like You're you're playing that, you know, that six inches above the net and like hitting super sharp, like hard, high from a high angle, but also like straight 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 down. down,
1: (laughs) Yeah, the only player that can really get away with that style is Wallace because of how weird his arm is. Everybody else who tries to do that just, yeah, they just bring the ball down and get stuffed all the time. It's not a great strategy. Uh, anyway, uh, so JW versus Gdansk, Game 3 is tomorrow. Then the semis will get started pretty shortly after that. But uh, that that match today between Scra and Olsen deserves a shout-out because it was good. However, uh, still chalk so far in the Plus Liga. Last but not least, the uh, as we alluded to at the very beginning of the show. The violence. More violence. More this violence. In, this time in France. This is the weirdest situation I've ever heard in my life. Stop me if I get any of this sequence incorrect. I'm looking at the series in the bottom left of the, of the bracket there you see right now, the four versus five series between Narbonne and Set. So four versus five. like the, the LNV top to bottom, one through eight, is extremely, extremely tight, uh, as we've talked about, like that league. like Anybody could come out and win that league this year, and I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, Narbonne won the Challenge Cup, and they're the four seed. But where it got weird here was at the end of game three, so uh, Narbonne at home, beat set in game three. Uh, I, I can't remember the set score, but to, to go up two sets, two matches to one in the series at the end of the game set took some exception to some of the things that the fans like the Narbonne home fans were saying to them. And somehow one of the set like physio trainers got in a legitimate fight with a security guard from Narbonne. And there were like some actual punches thrown like, There was a very, very, like a one second long video of this Mm -hmm. that came out uh, on World of Volley. Go check it out. That there was, this was a a much more legitimate fight than the one we saw with Leal in Italy. And the result of it was that Narbonne refused to play match four of the series on the road at set. They forfeited it. They straight up refused to make the trip. They voluntarily took on a 10,000 euro fine which is a lot more like it. If you're going to find somebody, find them, not this like 380 euro garbage that we saw in Italy. But so now they're going to game five, match five, back in Narbonne tied up at two apiece. But that's only because Narbonne refused to play match number four after the scuffle that happened at home in match three. This was crazy. From 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 what I understand, basically what happened was that
2: um, there was some altercations, I guess, between... Um, the 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 man on the court was a non-accredited staff from Napa, and he wasn't supposed to be there technically um and apparently allegedly he basically grabbed the security guards accreditation and kind of yanked it off him thus leading to, to the security guard uh hitting him but yeah that that was a definitely a crazy situation and seeing that there's a forfeit of it um kind of crazy as well like just Another instance of violence in volleyball, which which is we, we really don't see. Yeah, you're, you're right. Like the the rea- the reality of it of being like a, uh, a security guard and a person from the team here. Like I'm literally watching as I'm talking about it, and it's nuts. Like it's a full on punch, and oh, the yeah. guy that's, afterwards that's kind weird. of pulls it out like fun. like what like what's going on. So, um, it's interesting to see too that there hasn't really been a reaction that the LNV just kind of doesn't really bring it up or, or or talk about it so once again just another elf l for volleyball um in in that one and, and this one you know has an even bigger impact on the series because they ended up forfeiting right forfeiting a, a, a match because of it
1: my question is it, what if set comes to narbonne in match five and beats him what if narbonne loses the series and is out of the playoffs because they chose to forfeit a game like how are how are they gonna look back on that? Will that have been worth it for them? Like Dan, what, what's what's your take on this? Have you seen the video yet?
0: Yeah, I've seen the video. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think the guy who throws the punch is, is like there's there's no there's no room for that at all. Oh no, not, um, not at all. Um, I think it. I think like the league needs to step in right away and give out heavy fines or discipline. You know, we were kind of criticizing maybe League of Volley for not giving out the appropriate fines, but in my opinion, it's it's better to be too heavy, too fast rather than the opposite, because then it creates situations like this where, you know, they feel pressure to take justice, I guess, into their own hands by forfeiting the next match. Um, yeah, I, I, this, is, this, this one is like a hundred times worse than the VL situation. Way, Way worse. 100 Way worse. Times it's, worse. It's just not um, as high profile. Yeah, exactly, and it's uh, it's it's real. This is what like Liao's like. Okay, these little scuffles happen all the time. Things get heated in volleyball. People yeah. lash out. It's, it's it's it sucks, but it's not big. This is like you have staff staff lashing. Yeah, up. this like,
1: has nothing to do with players, and it, it goes back to fan behavior too. Because it sounds like like some of the Narbonne fans were really antagonizing the set players after the match, and that is something that I've started to see as the playoffs have gone on. The interactions between home fans and opposing teams the there's not nearly as much of a barrier between those two entities as you think there is. We've seen it in the n b a too like with Kyrie Irving and the Boston fans the other day like there that there is not some kind of glass curtain you knew that was going to happen though that's oh yeah there's there's nothing separating the fans from the players really they they can hear you if you throw things at them, if you yell things at them like that that is felt and understood in a 4000 person arena like that it's it's real and it's be, and it's becoming a factor in these series the crowds have gotten have gotten a, ever so slightly out of control and to be honest as a as a spectator on the other side of the world i'm here for it it makes it really fun to watch it's,
0: it's definitely a different culture in europe and like i've i've talked to volleyball players and i can't i'm definitely not going to name any names but uh <laughs> like who've told me you know you have guys like saying the most vile things like and you can hear them and they're throwing things at you and like you can deal with it a couple of ways you can you can be like get up be big and try and intimidate them or you can ignore them but like the only thing you can't do is go and actually like attack someone like that that is yep. absolutely and, do and, that. you know it like i i think like we need to have a bit of a culture of like if fans are stepping over the line like the player should be able to talk to security and get them 100%. out of there' because because or just talk back especially like, like, if it's the, yeah you should also talk back like the best player the best people that i've talked to that dealt with it they're just like i'm just gonna say like i'm gonna talk back and that shuts people up pretty fast because i'm a six eight like professional athlete and they're not so uh, <laughs> also, like uh, not like, really like, really. like you
2: know you want to talk about the kyrie situation i personally have no problem with him you know Giving fingers to the fans or telling them to S m this S his D. Like yeah, no, fans will say much, much absolutely
1: worse. Absolutely bawling out. He really he yeah, really did speaking speaking with right. his play, which is but, I think is is the real way to handle it. But I like I know people have played in like Greece and like
2: people are like throwing cigarettes at you as you're going back to serve. Like people are Greece, smoking weed Greece is in the pure stands. chaos, that, that stands, you know, like I was gonna like, say, like, anyone listening to this, go
0: watch go watch a champions League match, Champions League match from like two thousand like seven or eight in like any Greek match. Matches and Athens, yeah, Olymp- and like
2: Olympiakos or, at- or, her- <laughs> or something like that. Like those are Insane. nuts. Like those, like those are nuts. Like I've, I've You're even seen recently from Panathinaikos with you know Jen Cross playing there, and like their their fans are are absolutely nuts. So unfortunately, though, it's it's not only happening on the European side of things, but it's also happening at here at home, uh, in the NCAA. As uh, that was the scene. Um, earlier this weekend in a matchup at Princeton between Princeton and Sacred Heart. And this time it wasn't a security guard. It wasn't a team staff. It wasn't a player. It was a coach slapping a player in the face. Um, um, Sacred Heart's men's volleyball coach, Bob Bertuzzi, slaps a player during a timeout on a game on April 16th. So that
1: was just on Saturday. Saturday.
2: Uh, Rob, he's been suspended, likely to be fired. What's your feeling on this one?
1: Yep. Good riddance. You don't assault players like that. This this one's this one's very black and white for me. That you you lay hands on a player, especially during a match when there's obviously cameras everywhere. You're gone. Like see you later. Have a nice second career doing something else. Like that's it.
0: And, and how how would that ever be justified? Ever you know, given never. the positions? Never,
1: never, never, ever, ever. Like like Ugh. maybe I don't know a a, a random like unaccredited like physio staff member and an opposing security guard who knows but a coach and a player no way no chance
2: like i'm I'm once again i'm like watching the clip over and over again and it seems like a timeout is called by sacred heart the kid comes off to the bench he doesn't even look like he's he's looking like it look it looks like a are you listening to me situation where like he's kind of like like off in his head and, and who knows but yeah just an absolute abuse of power you know, I was a coach for a, a long, long time. I actually, coached Dan's little brother once in a t- upon a time. Great coach. He still speaks so highly of you, Everett. Uh, I doubt. I doubt that. <laughs> uh, that was a. That was an interesting... Well, he's a,
0: he's a coach now, so there
2: you go. That's true. He did. He did tell me the other day when he came on to uh, our chat when we did our, our podcast. So maybe I did I did have an impact, but that's not something. Even when coaching that team, when you know, not your brother, but some of his friends was might have been the most frustrating team I've ever coached in in my life. I would never have would have thought, have imagined, to have, have slapped a kid in the face like this. That this is just absolutely unreal, and we don't need scum like this in the game of volleyball.
1: Nope. Yep. He he will be out of here very very quickly. And speaking of the NCAA, next week will. Uh, we'll be. I'll, I will do the work to put together sort of where the NCAA is at heading into the end of that season because there is no one single good place to find everything all at once. Uh, like off the block does great day by day work for covering NCAA men's volleyball, but it's very difficult to find like the conference tournament brackets all in the same place. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll work on that. We'll do a little bit of NCAA next week. Uh, we'll we'll cover the the Polish men's national team roster next week once the Polish Federation actually puts it out. So um, there's there's a lot going on, a lot of news that we can expect to come out, including the the Leal like suspension being upheld or not. And there's a lot going on. That'll be, just, so,
2: that'll be decided in a few hours, hopefully. Yeah,
1: that that'll be hopefully decided very very soon before uh, Perugia versus Modin tomorrow. So to if you don't want to wait until next Tuesday's show to get up on all this, join the Discord. The link mm-hmm. is in the description of this video here, where we talk about all this stuff all the time as it happens. It was we were popping off for the Polish match today. Uh, We were popping off for Lube versus Trentino the other day. So uh, super active all the time, 24 hours a day. We're talking about volleyball in there. And uh, last but not least, Everett, before we wrap up the show, tell the people about BetUS.
2: Of course. And, hey, right now is the golden time for betting. It's playoffs. you got the NBA playoffs. The MLB has started up. You know, baseball is good for nothing. There's like 168 games. You might as well bet on something to get some type of entertainment on it. Make sure you bet on the Blue Jays because they're firing this year. You have Scudetto playoffs, Polish League playoffs, playoffs, and volleyball playoffs, and basketball plus coming up in in hockey. It's the time to bet, and the best place to do it is America's favorite favorite sports book over at Bet US. They've been in the game since 1994. They they were born in the 1900s. They are straight <laughs> millennial like the rest of us. So you know that they belong now. The best way, the best thing of all of this, if you sign up using the code VOLLEY125, you can use the link just down below here, you will get a 125% deposit bonus when you deposit $100 or more. So you deposit deposit 100, you end up having 225. It's literally free money. You're more than doubling your money. So make sure you take advantage of this offer um, and use the code VOLLEY125 and when you bet with bet us so make sure you guys check that out it will help us out um man in the chat we love you too i'd love to pronounce your name but i don't know don't know what it is
1: Ah, we, we we appreciate the love uh, we love you viewers we love you discord members we love you subscribers to the volleyball source youtube channel and we love you who use the promo code volley 125 on bet us so uh, that's about it, boys. Uh, we, got, we got some fun volleyball to follow this week. We will be back next Tuesday with the 9 by 9 Make sure you're subscribed here. Check us out in the Discord. Uh, I'll, I'll be getting the, the the audio versions of this podcast up as fast as possible. I know some of you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever. So uh, remember that we do go live on Tuesday nights on YouTube for the show. And we'll see you next week. Peace, guys. Have a good one.